You're listening to Women Making Waves. I wonder now how many girls are asked if they want to be a priest when they're older. I can't imagine that's a question that many would be asked. Certainly it wasn't when I was at school. You were asked really if you wanted to be, you know, a secretary or a journalist yeah. or something like that. Or but a not a priest. Doctor. <laughs> well, it was really fascinating talking to Louise Rowland and she's been talking about her debut novel, The Girl's Book of Priesthood what it's like for a young woman to train to be a priest. So let's listen to Louise Rowland talking to Susie Thorpe. In all other spheres of life or professions, women are making great headway and you think about the numbers and it might be 50-50 or even more than that. This is a very, very different world and there are some parts of the Church of England where there's open hostility to, to, to women priests. So I, I was absolutely fascinated to dig into that story and get the human side. Well, you're incredible, actually. You're a business writer, journalist, keynote speechwriter to, well, leadership, blogs, business and general features and advertising copies and working in-house for multinationals and small startup agencies as well. You've got a huge amount of experience and most recently as a member of KPMG's digital marketing team, working for the Brexit team, let's put that one too. <laughs> the B word, the yes. B word. <laughs> But we must also just stress this fantastic book that you produced came out last year in May 2018. It's called The Girl's Book of Priesthood. I want to know why you want to write about priesthood for women in general. I... I was very intrigued by the idea of writing about that because I knew a guy who was training to be a priest, a, a young curate, and I was keen to write a, a novel with the idea of actually somebody in that doing that role, living with a family and as a sort of renting a, a room in a family and how that dynamic would work because people have lots of preconceived ideas of what priests or curates would be like and... I, I sort of started down that path and then thought, well, what about if he was a her? I wrote about a, a young female trainee priest. That opened up a whole world. I started, uh, I went out and interviewed. I was lucky enough to be able to interview about 15 or 20 young women training to be priests or who'd been in the job two or three years. I met some of the suffragettes who'd walked down Whitehall. I, I met people who were in small parishes, in city parishes, and it was such a fascinating picture. I thought this story actually is pretty unique. Nobody's really written this. I mean, there have been stories about, there have been some, and usually for some reason thrillers, there's a lot of, or not thrillers, sort of detective stories. I have no idea why that's a genre, but apparently I hadn't, you know, I know it sounds extraordinary to say, but I'd never seen The Vicar of Dibley because we... Had you not? No, we lived overseas for a long time as a family and we, throughout all that time, that was on when we were overseas. So I, I didn't watch it. And once I decided to write the book, I decided not to watch it because I didn't want to write it. I decided that I needed just to write the story that I wanted to write. I started this research and then it was just fascinating. And the people, the women I met were incredibly generous because it's very private stuff, this, asking somebody when they felt that sense of calling, when they decided that this was something they wanted to do. It's the ultimate woman in a man's world. It's the ultimate old boys network or club, if you like. And that's not meant to be disrespectful, but only very recently that women have been able to be priests in the scheme of things. I think this year was the 25th anniversary of the first 
first women ordained. In all other spheres of life or professions, women are making great headway and you think about the numbers, it might be 50-50 or even more than that. This is a very, very different world and there are some parts of the Church of England where there's open hostility to, to, to women priests. So I, I was absolutely fascinated to dig into that story and get the human side. I'm pretty determined too and as you say, you did a lot of research. This Obviously, this particular novel focuses on young women in priesthood as opposed to older generation, but your research took you from many generations of women in priesthood, and that is absolutely fascinating. Your bit here about 25 years celebrating women in priesthood in the UK but other countries have been a little bit better on this, haven't they? Yes, I think Australia was one of the first. I think Canada was earlier. Other places were. The Church of England is catching up. But I think in terms of the culture, I think the numbers of young women coming through. And so when you're a cured, it's basically like being a, a, on a graduate traineeship. That, that's the equivalent. And my character, it's the book is about her first year in the parish and it's her training year. It's, it's all or nothing. If she doesn't make it to the end or she screws up somehow, then it then it's curtains. So that's why it's so important. But she, yeah, I mean, it, it's, I think culturally the church is still very old fashioned. And in some ways, I don't, if you worked for a big multinational corporate or bank or a law firm, there'd be a big HR department into diversity and so on. I think the church is, is, is somewhat mm. behind. I mean, people sometimes talk about the Church of England being 50 years behind the rest of society. I heard that quite a few times when I was interviewing people and think that's, we think Very about true. you know gay marriage and everything else. So what I was interested in when I was talking to these, to these women, young and older, was how they felt about that. What drove them to do a job that most people would consider really, really difficult because as well as the vicar side or the you know the, the sort of religious side the spiritual side there's all the other stuff that goes with the job mm. um, I, I was particularly interested in Margot we can say Margot's mm. the, the protagonist in your fantastic novel but she had a friend who was quite outspoken and quite fashionable yes and I loved that connection I love that relationship but you are living in the 21st century yeah, I mean, that's that's the whole point. I have two daughters in their early 20s. The girls, or the, the young women, rather, I was meeting are absolutely like them. So they like the music they like. They watch the Kardashians. You know, they like makeup. You know, one I met had these fabulous high heels that she, she wore. And, you know, why not? I mean, they're normal young women who happen also to have this side of their personality that means that they feel a calling to go into the church and actually I think that's an enormous gift for the church that you have people like that joining actually everybody should be represented I think they're very brave and somebody did talk about them as as insurgent because you could work in fintech or you could go off and be in the army as, or be a pilot all of which are sort of could be pioneering things this is equally pioneering because actually you're going into an institution that's thousands of years old as a said earlier the two ends of the church so the the evangelical low end is generally pretty hostile to women or not not keen not hostile to women obviously per se but women at the altar you know standing there as as the priest or the vicar and then the other end is the high church and the anglo-catholic end which as the name would suggest is much closer to the sort of catholic church and of course there are no women priests in the catholic church and people feel extremely strongly about that and you have to respect their views that they're not intended to be sort of damaging or personal but that's what people and people draw on the bible for, for and say well this is what it says and that's what it says and somewhere in the middle you have this sort of central space where where young women are, are coming in and 
you know, making, really making headway. I like the idea when um, anyone is training to become a priest, male or female, that everything hinges on the all-important relationship with your vicar, the incumbent, as you just said, and you say that the introductory pets and owners session <laughs> at the Theological College, mm. a form of clerical speed dating. Yes, I love that. <laughs> I really, I mean, that really, my mind yeah. boggles. Yeah, in fact, there is, here in Cambridge, there is a Theological College, and they were very helpful. I met a couple of people there and spoke to, to people, including some of the young women training. Yeah, I mean, imagine that in, in any other career. You know, you sit down and... Because, of course, it's about personalities and, and chemistry and you spend a huge amount of time with this person. I mean, we've just had Easter. In your average Church of England church, there might be three services that day, a dawn one, an eight o'clock one, and a ten o'clock one. You're going to be together. You're going to have been preparing for it for all the previous weeks. And then during the week, you've got all the admin, the office stuff. You've got the pastoral things. You've got mending the whole the roof or the floor or whatever it is and and you're very you're working very very closely together and I would say more closely than most other mm. jobs certainly that I've had I mean you're kind of it's 24-7 in some ways Louise I know this is a very personal question yeah. here but are you religious did it change your attitude or did it enhance it or did it bring you back somewhere that you didn't find you would be I come from a sort of background where we, we we were we did go to church and I do go to actually a similar sort of setup uh, to the to the church in the book. I mean I haven't written about about the place that I go to, but for me it's a very private thing and I didn't write the book to sort of proselytise in any way. I mean I, that was I wasn't interested in that. I just think it was an interesting story. There is I mean a couple of people have jokingly said, oh, did you ever want to be a priest? And of course the answer to that is no. <laughs> did I, I? No, I think I came away from all my all my conversations with these these very extraordinary women. Hugely impressed, very admiring of their guts, actually, because most of us work, you know, nine to five or six to seven or whatever it is that we work. And then we clock off and we go home and we have a different life. And it's it's much harder for people who are priests to do that because the, the, the sort of lines, the porous line between your personal and your private life, people watch you and they have assumptions about you. But one of the things that I, I most enjoyed about the women I met was their sense of humour because they all had it and it's real gallows humour and I'm sure you get it. I'm sure you get it in the police force. I'm sure you get it in the army. I'm sure teachers have it. Basically letting off steam by, by black humour really, just, yeah. la- just laughing at stuff and I think you know when things get hard it's a, an escape valve for us all. I'm, I'm sure the cabinet currently dealing with Brexit they probably there's a bit of sort of banter going on there yeah I, I was really impressed by that and I thought that was something I really wanted to capture because it's a human side and when you were doing your research were the women priests were they quite surprised that you were going to write this book were they a little bit reticent about it no they weren't reticent I mean somebody had basically opened his address book for me and given me their asked if I they'd speak to me and they weren't I, I, that was another thing it's actually very humbling because you're asking people very private stuff about their where their sense of, of vocation to do the job also their private lives and you know their relationships and their relationships with their families and and so on and and I could have carried on doing that actually for a very long time someone said to me you need to stop and start writing it now did you find it was very shocking to hear of the stories about the clergy did you feel that gosh this really happens with women in clergy. Yeah, I yeah it does, and I've heard actually since the book has was published, I have had a couple of people talk to me about their own experiences of very difficult stuff that they've they've had in their parish, where not only the sort of casual verbal sexism, but actually more than that, sort of general harassment and so on. I think they're very brave because it would be much easier to go off and you know work in for a law firm or become a teacher, head teacher or, or whatever, than actually go into a world where a lot of people 
not only have preconceptions about what you should be, don't want you to be true to, your, to yourself, if you like. And obviously things like your personal life and so on. I mean, lots of people would have preconceptions uh, about that. That's why the church is wrestling with the whole gay marriage issue. But I think in a corporate environment, you'd have an HR department that would be red hot on some of this stuff. And I think the support isn't yet there yet. I, that's my perception. I mean, mm. you know, obviously, I, I'm, I'm not in the church in that sense. But but that that is the the sense I have. And I think 25 years of women being priests, and it's only in the last few years, the numbers have, have really gone up exponentially. That possibly needs another 50 years before things are... When you say about support, obviously from the outside in that's you're coming from mm. the outside in and mm. you're actually researching and you're highlighting this i want to ask you in a moment about the reactions to your book because it's been a year since you this book came out but support within the church from men has that been exceptional or has that quite slow in coming forward as well have you had you say you've done research and you've been talking to lots of women understandably mm. because it's their it's their experiences but have you spoken to any men in the clergy men my gosh those men <laughs> i a few i yeah. have spoken to a few i think it's back to that relationship between the trainee and their vicar they're, they're incumbent as they're called their vicar it, they're their boss their manager for the year and it, it actually that's where the support is I think you need more senior women role models that's that's probably the answer and I think the fact we now have Bishop of London Sarah Mullally who's a former nurse actually she was very senior and then she's now Bishop of London that's a huge thing and she's obviously in a, an extraordinary position to to, to sort of promote the cause for, for women in the church. I mean, that's, you know, I think she's second or third most senior in the church. It's a very big deal that she's there. So now we talk about the reactions because it's all very well writing the book and researching the book and finding enlightenment. Mm. The reactions, have you mm. had to have a hard skin yourself for this or has it? I mean, I, the book is fantastic. Don't get me wrong. Read it. It's beautifully written and I take my hat off to you. you. It's <laughs> absolutely fantastic. But I'd like to know from you reactions because it is a very, very reactionary subject, isn't it? It's really interesting. It's absolutely, you do have to have a, a tough skin. I mean, I, I'm a big reader, as I'm sure you are. I read lots of different things. I'm in a couple of book clubs and people, you know, that's what book clubs are for. You've got eight people around a table and there'll be complete divergent views a lot of the time. And that's all very healthy. I mean, overall, it's been very positive and I'm, I'm thrilled by that. And people have been often quite intrigued by the subject and surprised and found out stuff they didn't know. They'll always ask, why would you want to write about this? Where did that come from? That's such a, such an unusual subject. I've had the, did you want to be a priest question quite a few times. <laughs> if I had, you know, £20 for every time, I'd, I'd you know, be quite well off. It's really interesting because some people, I have a friend who, who grew up in a Catholic, sort of Catholic background, and I, I said, what did you think about the religious stuff? And she said, oh, I barely noticed it. And other people, it's all about the religious stuff. So that's the thing. Some people thought they liked, they thought it was quite light and funny and comic. Other people thought it was quite intense. I mean, what I was trying to do was, was a bit of both, actually, because I was trying to capture the experience in the round and have the funny parts, have the comic tone, but also she's she wants to be a priest, so there's more profound stuff soul-searching stuff in there. It's completely subjective. You write what you want to write. I'm very happy with what I wrote and I'm very happy with the reaction and I'm looking forward to getting stuck into another one very soon. You can't completely lose your your sort of sensitive nerve, nerve endings or you wouldn't be able to write. But equally, yeah, you know, yeah, you have to have a... You have to kind of just roll with it, really, mm. and see and see what happens. Talking about the young, young portrayal yeah. of, of women here, have you had reactions from younger women who have said, actually, I want to go into the clergy because of your book? No. <laughs> 
I shouldn't think you were expecting a different answer. <laughs> I no, I haven't. I haven't. I haven't put a sort of, you know, for further information, please contact. No, I haven't had any T-shirts made saying, you know, geezer job. But actually, I probably should have done that. I think people been intrigued by it. Yeah, so some people would have a stereotype in, in their heads of what a woman priest might be like. They would think older women, house full of cats, bobbly jumpers. But you I know. like those stereo women. Yeah, well, as well, absolutely. And they, and they have a place. And of course, they, they, there will be women in the church like that. But there are also women who like wearing eight inch heels and clubbing and partying with their friends and everything that my daughters and your daughters. And... I get the impression that it might just change the way men actually approach the clergy as well, that they don't have to be the way that they have been and they, they yeah. would get some yeah. LGBT as well. Uh, well and... Of course, there are a lot of them. I, I think that's right. I think ultimately you want, is you want human beings in these roles. It's an ancient post, if you like. I mean, you know, being a priest, I mean, you know, people have been doing it for thousands of years, effectively. But they, you want people who are going to be authentic in themselves. And I think that's what, what young women particularly bring to it. Obviously, Louise, this is your first book and you've had lots and lots of support. But I guess guess you've had support from your publishers too, have you not? Oh, I've struck gold with my publishers. So Marswell Press, owned by two sisters, Sarah and Kate Beale, absolutely extraordinary. 50 plus years of, of experience in the industry behind them, from Bloomsbury to One World across the board. Hugely supportive. They've been going, I think, two years now. They're up for an award this year for the best new independent publisher. You couldn't want a better, a better stable to be part of, really. Great fun. Absolutely on the same wavelength and they're hugely impressive and I feel very lucky to be part of their, their gang. Previous to this amazing book, you are a writer, keynote speech writer. You've done an enormous amount of stuff. You are a Cambridge alumni and you have also a master's in... in novel writing. This is your passion. You love words, don't you? I do. I do love words. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a word person, not really a numbers person, but I'm, I am an, a word person. And I, I enjoy speech writing because I like writing things that people will actually say. I've always enjoyed that and I like the sort of freedom of that. But also copywriting. Most recently, I had a, a stint in... in working for KPMG in London on their Brexit team, working in the digital marketing department. I was there for 18 months and now freelance for them regularly. I had an absolute ball working there. It was really fun. Fascinating subject, of course, very you know hard work, but really interesting. Just the experience of going back into corporate world after having been freelance for a long time was, was really enormously satisfying for me. You were speech keynote writer, and I, I, I'm, I'm always fascinated by writers in the sense that you're given a subject to write about. Do you put your own side to it, or is it something that is you have a certain sort of schedule that you have to stick to? Well, I think it's a combination of, of, of the two. I mean, if you're doing business writing, most of my speech writing experience is, is there. I think you, obviously, there's an agenda and points and so on that, that, that you need to get across. But the most important thing is to get capture the personality of the speaker. And Is that hard? No, because... You, I mean, if you're writing somebody a lot, you get to know them mm. and you get to know... You mean all their foibles? All, yeah, all their foibles and verbal tics, but also actually a bit of their own story. right. Yeah, because the thing is, you know, you've always got to think, what are the audience... Think, Imagine you're sitting in row three and you've got half an hour to listen to somebody. What do you want? You don't just want a series of PowerPoint slides. You actually want maybe a couple of jokes. You definitely want a little bit of insight into what makes him or her tick. Mm. People can't retain too much detailed information, but they'll retain 
10 is story. So it's about writing a narrative. I just actually finished reading a great book on, on women owning the room by Viv Grossop, the writer who writes for The Guardian and so on. And, and I have to say, I thought it was a great book. She captured it because for all women whether or not you're talking to an audience of 100 or an audience of one or two in a room, how you present your points, how you how you sort of hold yourself. I thought actually she captured it really well. And I mean, again, it underlines the fact that I think women, when they're on their feet, there's an extra layer of judgment, actually. That's interesting. Just what they're wearing, you know, what they sound like, what their voice is like. I just think it's the same with women on, on television, you mm. know, news present Emily Maitlis, whoever I think there's a there's an extra level, what they're wearing how they're presenting themselves. Do you think, is it women that have to work it or do you think men work it and we don't see this? Well, I think, I think women have more, actually, funny enough, I think women have more freedom in this respect because people are looking at the way they look and what they're wearing and how they sound. They, you just are. People do look, because men typically will look the same. They are going to be wearing some variation of a suit or jacket and whatever, whereas women, there is more room for movement with colour and styles and so on. And actually, that's a good thing. That's a positive. Women, actually, this is an area where we have a little bit of a head start. Mm. Just going back to your book, do you find some of the women clergy, the women priests, did they have that sense of imposter syndrome? Yeah, 100%. That's the ultimate imposter syndrome, really, mm. because it was such a closed world. And when you think about it, everything is is geared to to men and to mm. or historically everything everything the entire environment and culture of the church was about was about men so standing there it's total there. respect isn't it for women yeah. in the clergy yeah. at the huge, moment huge huge respect huge respect yeah and you know they, and they get also some people i spoke to get angry one woman had been spat at in the street i mean people do i mean it's the same as politicians getting the stuff on twitter that they get it's i think you do have to be brave well it's been fantastic talking to you louise roland and thank you very much for having me i've loved it thank (laughs) you very much indeed thank you that was louise roland author of the girl's book of priesthood talking to susie thorpe 